Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm here to interview Dr. Marguerite McGuire. Dr. McGuire is a psychiatrist working at Cal Psychiatry. She has a specialty in women's reproductive mental health. Today, we talk a little bit about treatment of depression and anxiety during pregnancy, as well as during the postpartum period. We also touch a little bit on the treatment of OCD, as well as how women who are interested in getting help can find it. Welcome, Dr. McGuire. Today, I'm excited to have on as our guest, one of the physicians in our group at Cal Psychiatry, Dr. Marguerite McGuire. Welcome, Marguerite. Hi there. Thank you so much. So today, I'm happy to have you on as our guest because we as a group do specialize in women's reproductive mental health, and I haven't focused on that topic in our podcast yet, and I'm kind of excited to have you be on as the first person to talk about this because you know a lot about it, and I think you're a good person to start off having this discussion about treatment of mood disorders and anxiety during pregnancy. Love it. It's the thing I like talking about the most, so I'm happy to be here to do it. Oh, good. All right. Well, Maybe we can start off by talking a little bit about depression and anxiety during pregnancy and how that comes up and how someone might be at risk for developing those symptoms during pregnancy. So I think a lot of people have heard about the baby blues, which is something that I want to distinguish from what we're going to be talking about for the majority of this interview. The baby blues affects 80% of women who deliver, and then it looks kind of like tearfulness, sadness. It lasts a couple weeks, maybe up to three, and it resolves on its own with just kind of social support. And then that's it. But 20% of those people will go on to develop clinical depression. And I think it's important to say that it's this kind of pervasive myth that pregnancy is this really happy time of profound joy, when actually it's like a hormonal earthquake. It's very disruptive to the mother and very anxiety provoking, given that you have very little control over the process of the baby developing. It's like a lot of things that can go wrong and a lot of maternal anxiety around, you know, how much is the baby moving? Is it kicking enough? When am I going to go into labor? Will that go okay? Did these minor exposures that I had in pregnancy, like a glass of wine or soft cheese or something, um, is that going to cause lasting damage? So I think it's kind of like a compassionate thing to do to open up the idea that this is a rough period, at least a period of great instability. And so you think a lot about, there's a lot of discussion about baby blues, but not necessarily discussion about what precedes that. Yeah. And in pregnancy, there are so many subtle signs of depression that make it go undiagnosed. Because when you think about it, some of the depression that we diagnose all the time in non-pregnant people is like sleep changes, appetite changes, weight changes, can't concentrate, you have low energy, and that is normal pregnancy also. So it's really tough to pick up on and tough to for the woman herself to know where do I call the line? Like this isn't normal and this isn't just part of pregnancy going to resolve on its own. So how do you pick it up? How would you distinguish those symptoms 
as just normal symptoms of pregnancy versus a depression or a mood disorder during pregnancy? I would say it's about how you function through it. It's got to be disruptive to your life and somehow and not necessarily that you can't muscle your way through going to work or, you know, being present in your relationship, but that it is causing problems for you, not something that you can just notice in the background and move through. And also it doesn't kind of like come in these predictable waves, like for instance, nausea and sleepiness in the first trimester that gives way in the second trimester and sort of returns in the third trimester. That's Mm -hmm. like a well-known pattern that we know to be true in pregnancy, but depression can strike in any trimester. So what are the risk factors of developing depression or anxiety or other mental health struggles during pregnancy? Anytime there's an illness in pregnancy, the main risk factor is always you had it in a prior pregnancy. So if you had depression or anxiety in a prior pregnancy, you're much more at risk to be depressed or anxious in this pregnancy. And similarly, if you had this problem before pregnancy, it's always a risk factor for having it in pregnancy. So if you had any kind of depression in you know, your teenage years it's, or anxiety, it's very likely to come back in pregnancy in the postpartum period. It's also yeah. um, kind of interesting to note that if women in your family had postpartum depression, for instance, or if you're a person who has really drastic mood changes around the time of your period, you're also more at risk for postpartum depression. And I think that's like the thinking there is that there's something about your genetics that makes you very sensitive to hormone changes. And so you have shakier footing than just the average woman. Right. But not just postpartum, but also during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And you already touched on this, but this myth that pregnancy is protective for any sort of mental instability during that time period. And that's just not true. That's not true. And it's sad because I think it makes you feel as the pregnant woman so isolated and like that you're not doing it right. It's definitely a myth that it's protective. Depression rates between pregnant women and non-pregnant women are approximately the same. Like 7 to 12% of pregnant women will experience some kind of clinical depression. And that is thought to be higher in lower income populations. Pregnancy is definitely not protective against anxiety. Anxiety affects in the general population like 1.5 to 2%, but it affects 11% of pregnant people. Um, I'm combining that figure with postpartum. So it's 11% of pregnant and postpartum. So how do you think about two questions that come up is, let's say you had depression, history of depression and anxiety before pregnancy, and you are a woman thinking about becoming pregnant, and you're wondering if you should go off your medication. How should someone think about that in terms of that choice? I think it's important to figure out the severity of your previous kind of illness. Like, let's say depression, for instance, was it mild to moderate or was it severe and you became suicidal and your life really kind of had like drastic consequences or was it something that went away on its own could be managed with therapy alone it's also important to think about how many episodes of depression you've had in your life because if you've just had one episode and it resolved a decade ago the chances that it come back in pregnancy are are high but not as high for instance as a person who's had multiple episodes like more than two major depressive episodes in their life extremely almost guaranteed to come back at some point in their life and pregnancy being one of the highest risk times. So I think kind of betting about how your future 
in the pregnancy is going to look based on how the past has looked, tells you whether you're on a track that absolutely needs medication or could kind of trial a period without it. And personally, if I were your psychiatrist, I'm not against the idea of trialing a period off and seeing how it goes. Because in my mind, you know, you can always get back on as long as the depression wasn't extremely severe or, you know, put you at risk for suicide. I think it's fine to trial off meds. And I say that only because a lot of women that I see want to trial off meds as a doctor and a person very comfortable with medication without kind of the bias around stigma, I would say stay on them. Like it's better to be stable. I always prioritize stability. Right. But I noticed that in my practice too. There's this concern about, okay, if I become pregnant, it would be difficult for me to think about what I will expose my my child to in utero if I take this medication. But the other discussion has to do with, well, what's the exposure if you Mm -hmm. don't treat the anxiety or depression? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's like my favorite topic because I think we think the differences between the risk of taking meds in pregnancy and this like natural, pure pregnancy. And for a lot of us with mental health issues, you don't have the choice of just choosing to be a woman without mental health issues. So your choices then are suffer untreated depression and anxiety in pregnancy or treat with medication, your anxiety or depression in pregnancy. And each of those pathways have risks. And what's so interesting to me is that they're very similar, those risks, like almost indistinguishable. And so then I think like, well, then why suffer then if you're going to expose the fetus to risks anyway, why put yourself through it? And I think if you've had, let's say anxiety, you know, it's physical, it's a real chemical thing of stress hormones coursing through your body. It has physical effects. It raises your heart rate, makes you sweat. And so the fetus is exposed to those chemicals too. And on a chronic basis, that can be pretty serious. Like the risks of untreated depression and anxiety in pregnancy are primarily miscarriage early on in the first trimester, preterm delivery, and then babies who are born small for gestational age, meaning they're small at birth. Mm -hmm. Also the untreated depression and anxiety pathway puts the baby more at risk for having trouble regulating their own depression and anxiety later. And we think that's just due to like chronic exposure of cortisol in pregnancy. And the risks of treating the depression with, let's say, the SSRIs, which treat both depression and anxiety, miscarriage, preterm delivery, and small for gestational age are the primary risks. And they're no greater in terms of percentages affected than the untreated depression and anxiety women. There are a couple more serious risks that I talk about with SSRIs. The most common thing that you should just be prepared for is poor neonatal adaptation which is just like thought to be a minor withdrawal from the SSRI that happens to the baby. So they were used to getting it when they were in your body, sharing your circulation. And then when they come out, they don't get it. So they go through a withdrawal that lasts like hours to days and it's quite mild. It just looks like them being a bit fussier and tell you as a mother that you can't tell the difference between a fussy infant and a fussier infant. So I don't make much of that. It's not thought to be painful. 
But right, there's always this kind of weighing, okay, what is the risk of treatment and what is the benefit of treatment? And I notice in my practice, when people come to me considering conception, a lot of women do need to prove to themselves that they do need the medication. And so it's almost kind of an important exercise sometimes for a woman to say, you know, I'm going to go off of it and I want to see how I do. And if they go off of it and they are fine, then that's great. But the risk of developing symptoms further out in pregnancy are still high if you have a history of depression or anxiety in the past. But oftentimes what I see with my patients that I treat, we have a trial off of it if we have the luxury of time before conception. And they really make that decision themselves that it's important to treat because they kind of are reminded of how significant their symptoms may be without treatment with medication. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of women wanting to give that a try and I'm there to support that and kind of swoop in should they need rescue with medication. But if not, we just offer good support, frequent visits, psychotherapy, kind of alternatives to that. Talking about alternatives, what are the alternative treatments? Are there other options besides medication? So I think the mainstay, and I say this about every psychiatric issue at any state, is that the mainstay of healing is psychotherapy. And there's good evidence for individual psychotherapy in pregnancy and also like coupled and family therapy. And, you know, very low side effect there, which is nice. And that is appropriate for mild to moderate depression, which a lot of people have. I think I would be more insistent on medication, that baseline for more severe depression. There's some evidence for acupuncture, less for massage, some for light therapy, some for vitamin D and omega-3 acid supplementation. One thing that some people have asked me about is placental ingestion. You know, it's like a very popular thing, especially in Santa Monica, of making placenta into pills. And there hasn't been evidence for that. And so I'm not recommending that. What about something like transcranial magnetic stimulation or TMS? That could possibly be an option, a non, more of a non-invasive type of intervention. Good point. I haven't had much experience with it, but can't think of a reason why it wouldn't be recommended in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we talked about thinking about medication before pregnancy. We talked about risk factors. We talked about treatment throughout pregnancy. What about this idea of the postpartum period? How do you approach that? I think that good preparation can go a long way. Another pervasive myth I hear all the time and from not only general practitioners, doctors, but psychiatrists too, is that you ought to wean off your meds in the third trimester when the baby's about to be born so the baby isn't born exposed. And to me, that is the worst advice. First of all, there's not evidence for it that it has any kind of change to outcome. And second of all, The postpartum period is your most vulnerable time to be affected by depression and anxiety. You lose 99% of the estrogen that's coursing through your body in pregnancy the day you give birth. So it's like a hormonal earthquake. (laughs) And it's really disruptive for, like I said, 80% of people, almost everybody. They're going to be super disruptive for women who are prone to it. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty insistent on at least, if you've been on meds through all of pregnancy, let's stay on them through these first couple of weeks of pregnancy. Like you're sleep deprived. You have an enormous role change in your life. Breastfeeding is a whole nother topic that we'll get into. It's just a lot of like recovery, depending on how you deliver to that can be weeks. So the postpartum period is absolutely the riskiest. 
Should women be concerned about treatment on things like SSRIs, so Lexapro, Zoloft, Prozac, in terms of transmission through breast milk? There's differing amounts of our meds, like the ones that you mentioned, that how much do they transmit into the breast milk? And the SSRIs, especially Zoloft, Paxalt, are undetectable in breast milk. And not only are they undetectable in the breast milk, the infant, and there's some markers that we can check in baby's clotting factors that change when they're exposed to SSRI. Those don't change. So we just think that physiologically, they're not active at all in the baby. Anybody I know that's a doctor, psychiatrist, OBGYN, general practitioner gives Zoloft and Paxil probably most commonly without any kind of discussion about risks. Got it. Is there an instance where a woman might decide to not be on medication during pregnancy, but decide to take it preventatively postpartum? Preventatively? I'm trying to think about cases that I've had where people decide to go on it. I mean, I could, I can't pinpoint a patient in my mind, but I can certainly understand why that would be useful. Right. I asked that question because I have certain cases in mind. So it is kind of an unfair question, but I guess I think of some cases of women who have been stable for a period of time. They've had previous pregnancies where they've been fine, but they have a history of maybe postpartum depression after their first pregnancy. And this is their second or third pregnancy. And there is a high desire not to use medication during pregnancy. And they're able to maintain stability throughout pregnancy. But then there's a little bit less concern in terms of risk, in terms of transmission through breast milk. And though they maybe don't want to treat during pregnancy, they are very much on board with treating in the postpartum period. So I guess that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, I hear that. And I'm thinking now too, like if you're a person who knows how badly you do with poor sleep, maybe you could sleep in pregnancy with the right pillow or something, but you know that an infant is going to be waking you up every hour to breastfeed and you know what that does to your mental health. I think it would be a great idea to get on preventatively. Yeah. You had mentioned OB-GYNs and general practitioners and pediatricians. So what is the role that maybe they play during pregnancy in terms of helping or, or kind of consulting with the psychiatrist and thinking about medications? I'm thinking more of about OBs at this point. Mm-hmm. My experience has primarily been that, you know, women get screened a lot when they go to their OB visits for prenatal care. And if they have any kind of red flag in terms of depression or anxiety. OBGYNs are primarily comfortable, I think, with starting SSRIs. I see a, mostly Zoloft at Sertraline. And then I think they usually get started on maybe 25 milligrams, bump up to 50. And then when you start getting into the territory that's higher than that, or the need for additional medication or medication that's not so clearly where the benefits outweigh the risk, that's when usually somebody comes to me if they're on kind of an unconventional regimen or they need really high dosing. And then Mm -hmm. it's really good care to coordinate between the two doctors. So everybody knows what the plan is, what the risk factors Mm -hmm. to look out for are. Yeah. And I'm assuming that it's also puts the mom's mind at ease if they've had two doctors that maybe both agree that the medication would be helpful and the benefits outweigh the risk too. That's so funny. I can picture yeah, seeing a patient who recently I saw, she was kind of trying to fight the idea of starting the Zoloft that the OBGYN had recommended. And she was like, okay, now if you're the second doctor saying that, mm-hmm. I guess there must be something to it. I'll give it a whack. Yeah. I mean, another 
thing I think about when I do pre-pregnancy consultations or even during pregnancy and we think about medications, it's also important to have the partner come in and be aware of how you're making this decision and what the risks are and what the benefits are. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. I don't think I've ever had a partner come in, but you're right that it's It's a discussion, I'm sure, at the household and between the family because the risks affect a fetus who's going to become a baby, who's going to be in the care of both the parents. But it's always the patient and the woman who's coming to me because I think they're going to have the physical effects. They're going to be the one to suffer both the depression and anxiety and the side effects of starting SSRIs like any of us would. I guess I'm thinking of in cases where there's a woman who has a mental health history, they understand that medications are important to them, but maybe their partner doesn't have that history. So they don't maybe get it. They care, but they just don't have that experience to really understand. And so when it comes to the point where they're considering conception and this decision to go off medications, the partner is often, not often, but sometimes in some cases would say like, well, why would you take it? There's an exposure if you take that medication and you shouldn't be on it. And so it's sometimes just part of educating the partner about those symptoms. And then sometimes it's maybe she agrees. She said, maybe I don't want to be on these medications during pregnancy. She has a trial off, the symptoms come back. And often in that case, both people in the couple now understand with a little bit more depth, the importance of use of medication. I guess our role too, as doctors saying, this is, this is a real medical problem, depression and anxiety. It's not just sort of feeling sad or something that you ought to be able to snap out of. It's a chemical imbalance. Like diabetes is a chemical imbalance that requires medication for treatment and at least be on that side in case the patient wants to hear that message and be supported there. Well, before we wrap up, I think this was actually really helpful for the listener. Do you want to say anything about other disorders during pregnancy, other mental health issues? I've been seeing so much OCD in the postpartum period lately that I feel like it's Mm -hmm. worth talking about because it can come up in kind of quirky ways. I think there's so much that's new about taking care of another being when you're a new mom. That responsibility is so weighty that it's really anxiety provoking for a lot of us, myself included, as a new mom. And then that anxiety is a spectrum and on the severe end of that spectrum can kind of bleed into OCD territory. And I've seen a lot of harm come to women who are suffering from it and even the baby sometimes because there's like checking behaviors so frequently in OCD checking to make sure your baby's still breathing every couple minutes at night um, can be disruptive to their sleep or for instance, like cleanliness, washing your baby excessively and then their skin gets dry. But OCD, it's it's meant to care and protect for the infant, but can actually be dangerous. So I think that's a really interesting one. And often Mm -hmm. treating OCD requires a lot higher dosing of our medications than just run-of-the-mill depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety. Right. And there's this gray zone, right? Of, you know, at what point does it become obsessive, right? At what point are you just being attentive versus are there negative returns that the obsessions and the compulsive behavior become detrimental? So, I mean, I think we went over a lot. If we have a woman listening to this, they are pregnant, considering pregnancy, their postpartum, or someone's listening who has a friend or family member that they think needs help, what are some good resources for them to to think about? 
depending on the stage you're at, I think talking to your primary care physician or your OBGYN is probably step number one. And maybe they give you a referral to a psychiatrist or calling us and visiting your local psychiatrist at Cal Psychiatry. For breastfeeding women, there's a great site called lactamed.gov that's really thorough, almost too thorough about any kind of medication you might be taking and how much of it gets into the milk and what the risks are. Yeah. And there are databases also to kind of look up specialist therapists and psychiatrists that specialize in women's maternal mental health too. And I can add those to the episode description too, if anybody's interested. All right. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your time and sharing your expertise with the listener. And I think this is going to be really helpful for people. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Take care. This has been Mind Stories with remote appointments in California and offices in downtown LA, Santa Monica, Hermosa Beach, Marina del Rey, Echo Park, and Santa Barbara. Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.